progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to have you all here with me on this Monday, April 4th. 2022, April 4th. What's about April 4th? Nothing. All right, April 4th. March 4th is my joke about the Exodus. May 4th is May the 4th be with you. Be with you. April 4th, who knows? Garnished. Nothing. But it happens to be the most important day that's ever happened because it's the day that we have right now. So right now is the most important day that's ever been. And so we are going to hopefully extract all of its potential. All right, so let's begin. I'm going to share my screen with you. I think that's the right screen. And we're going to go to Mitzorah Torah reading. So yeah, this week's Torah portion is Mitzorah. Last week was Tazria. This is Mitzorah. Mitzorah, literally, the Mitzorah is the one who has Tzoraas. The, the person who has Tzoraas is called the Mitzorah, the one who has it. So here we go. Mitzorah. The Torah opens by God telling Moses how someone who has been afflicted with Tsaras, in other words, the Kohen looked at it, diagnosed it, yes, you've got it. So last week we learned about the pronouncement of impurity, the banishment outside all the camps. He has to remain, you know, separated from the community. Then what? Now what? What happens? What happens then? Let's jump inside. Leviticus chapter 14, verse 1. Let's talk about the healing process. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the person afflicted with Tzorat. By the way, the person afflicted with Tzorat in Hebrew is one word. Hamitzorah. Hamitzorah in Hebrew means the person afflicted with Tzorat. So this shall be the law. This is the Torah, Tamitzorah. This is the law of the person of the Torah. On the day of his cleansing, he shall... So what, what happens on the day of his cleansing? What does that look like? So number one, he shall be brought to the Kohen. The Kohen shall go outside the camp. Now, it's we have like a mixed message here. On the one hand, we say he's brought to the Kohen. On the other hand, we say the Kohen goes out to him to the camp. Truth is, both are correct. The co- Remember, this guy is impure. He cannot go into the camp anyway. So he's got to remain outside. So you bring. So the Kohen goes outside the camp to this guy. But as this guy is outside, uh, sorry, as the Kohen is outside, this guy comes to the Kohen. There's a little bit of both are approaching the other. All right. Either way, the Kohen shall look and behold. And behold, the lesion of Tzorat has healed in the afflicted person. Aha. If the Kohen checks this guy out, and no more tzarat, it looks clean. So now the process begins, right? So, so far he's got tzarat, he was banished outside the camp, and it's run its course, and now skin is clear. Here's what happens next. Then the Kohen shall order, and the person to be cleansed shall take two live clean birds. Here's on the menu, or that's the wrong term. Here's on the list of what needs to happen. Two live clean birds, a cedar stick, a strip of crimson wool, and hyssop. Now what do you do with that? The coin shall order, the coin shall command, and one shall, in other words, one person, one coin, shall slaughter the one bird into an earthenware vessel over spring water. You take a bird and take a knife. There's a shechita knife, a, a shechting knife for birds, much smaller than one for animals. 
You shecht, you slaughter the bird, but you slaughter it over an earthenware vessel that has spring water. Al Mayim Chaim, that has spring water inside. And as for the live bird, it's two birds. One was just slaughtered, and there's still one that's living. As for the live bird, he shall take it, and then the cedar stick, the strip of crimson wool, and the hyssop, and along with the live bird, he shall dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird over the spring water. If I'm not mistaken, the blood goes into the water, and now you have a blood and water mixture, so it's the blood from the bird plus the spring water held in an earthenware vessel. You take the other bird with the stick and the crimson wool and the hyssop, and you dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird that's over the spring water. He shall then sprinkle seven times upon the person being cleansed from Tzarat. So that mixture gets sprinkled on the person who is being healed from Tzarat, and he shall cleanse him, and that affects the cleansing. Then the Kohen, the one administering this procedure, he shall then send away the live bird into the open field. He releases the live bird. Two birds, one ended up slaughtered, the, the blood with the water gets sprinkled on the bird, that the live bird gets sent back, sent, sent away, out into the wild. Let's continue, we're not done yet. That we're going to get back to Rashi, obviously, and some deeper ideas. The person being cleansed shall then immerse his garments, shave off all his hair, and immerse himself in water, and become clean. Okay, so that's what happens next. So step one is you get the birds, you get the hyssop, you get the, you get, sorry, you get the, um, the cedar and the hyssop and the crimson wool, and I mixed up the order there, my apologies. You do that, you, you do that procedure, okay? Then he immerses his garments, cuts off all of his hair, immerses himself in water, and now, vita hair, he becomes clean, he becomes purified. After this, he may enter the camp, but he shall remain outside his tent for seven days. So he can come back into the, into the camp, into civilization, but he can't go into his home, so to speak, or not so to speak, inside, inside his tent. He stay outside his tent for seven days. There's still another step that has to happen. Check this out. And it shall be on the seventh day that he shall shave off all his hair and that includes that of his head, his beard, his eyebrows, indeed, all his hair. He shall shave off. He shall then immerse his garments and immerse his flesh in water, thus becoming clean. Immerse his garments, immerse his body, and the mikvah becomes clean. That's on the seventh day after the initial purification rite. He goes inside the camp, outside his tent, on the count seven days, on the seventh day, shaves his hair, goes into the mikvah, etc. And now on the eighth day, we're still not done yet, and on the eighth day, from that initial dual bird ritual, now the eighth day after that, he shall take two, um, two unblemished male lambs, one unblemished ewe lamb in its first year, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with olive oil as a meal offering, and one log of olive oil. And the Kohen is performing the cleansing. Let's continue verse 11. The Kohen is performing the cleansing shall place the person being cleansed together with all these things, with these things, before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. That's where everything is in front of that tent of meeting building. 
And the Kohen shall take one male lamb and bring it as a guilt offering along with the log of oil and wave them as a waving before the Lord. There is a guilt offering here. The guilt obviously being because this person who has Sarat, who's being cleansed, who's being healed now in this very elaborate process, was guilty of Lashon Hara, speaking ill of someone else. This is an Asham, this is a guilt offering. That's what the male, that's what the one male lamb is for, and he takes us along with the oil. He waves him as a way of offering. There are other items that we mentioned a moment ago, a few verses ago, right? All these items are not yet accounted for, but that's going to continue in the next reading. Okay, let me just check in with you guys. So far, so good? Yes? Ish? Yeah? Sort of? Okay. All right. Let's jump back into the Rashis. The Rashis. Here we go. By the way, uh, Rashi explains. The Torah says this is the law of the person on the day of his cleansing. That tells us that he can only be pronounced clean at, uh, on, during the day and not at night, as Rashi points out right there. Okay. Um, the Kohen meets this guy outside the camp. Um, two live birds. Rashi explains why birds. Why birds? This is a beautiful idea and one that I wanted to share with you. Okay? Check this out. Um, sorry. Why are, the, why are birds required for this cleansing rite? Right? Rashi asked the question, why birds? And Rashi explains, because lesions of tzarat come as a result of derogatory speech, Lashnara, which is done by chattering. Therefore, for his cleansing, the person is required to bring birds, which twitter constantly with chirping sounds. You cannot make this up. You absolutely cannot make this up. Why birds? Because birds twitter or tweet, right? And yes, there are also human birds that love... I'm kidding. But there are, look, that's, that's kind of what Rashi is saying. Why the birds? Because the reason why birds is part of the healing process, because it's the tweeting that got the person into trouble to begin with. Why Tzarat? Talking too much. Too much chatter. Oh, you hear what happened about this? You happened about that? Good shine. Just put your head down and do your work. Like, okay, whatever. I'm not like, you know, soapboxing and like, you know, waving hand at cloud type thing. Um, but the oh, fistical. The point is that too much gossip, too much schmoozing, ends up in a negative place for everybody, and so hence the uh, the bird ritual. Sarah. Well, I was going to ask, what what is your advice if you if you if you encounter that people mm. twittering, you know, too much, and it's like where it hurts you, you know, where they're talking about. Right, right, excellent, excellent. So it's much easier. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm going to say it's easier. Look, it depends in what context. Like, if it's online, which is where a lot of this stuff happens today in 2022, a lot of this stuff happens on social media, right? So one can remove oneself from social media. Now, that doesn't make it go away, but it does prevent the individual, right? You and I, it prevent, it, it, it keeps us away from that whole, that whole, all that stuff, which is a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, cancel Facebook or whatever it is or, or Instagram. I'm just saying like, you know, if there's a conversation going on, you can just, you know, hide that conversation or not get involved and whatever. Now, that's not going to fix it for others, 
but at least it's it's making sure that we're not engaged in it or even you know like stirring that pot. Now, when it comes to to personal conversation, so the tried and true way to do this and, and something that I found to be effective is. If there's a conversation going on and you're being like pulled into it and roped into it and it's like uncomfortable because about somebody and you're feeling like this is not right, there's there's a few options. One is to kind of call it out and say, hey, you know, I don't think this is right. I'm a little uncomfortable, whatever it is. Um, and it, with, in hopes of trying to like, you know, um, get everyone kind of off this off this uh, behavior. If if you think that would be effective, that's a decent option. Obviously, not from like we've always said, not from a place of judgment or a place of anger or frustration, but a place of love. Like you know, it's you know, it's uh, we should speak nicely, whatever. Like, but some something that doesn't sound condescending. It, you have to get the right tone for it to be effective. Now, if you don't think it's going to be effective, and it's just about not not you know aiding and abetting that type of uh, scenario. Then it's just about stepping out and saying, look, hey, you know, I got to run. I got to take a phone call. I got to make a phone call or whatever it is. Excuse myself or say, look, you know, hey, you know, it's uh, this conversation is not for me. I'm going to check back. You know, I'll talk to you guys soon. Something like that. That that stuff works. No one's going to force someone to be in a conversation. Right? No one's going to say, oh, you have to be here while we destroy this dude's reputation. It's not a it's typically not not a thing. Um, if we find ourselves, you know, that we are susceptible to, to speaking about someone else, then it's just about awareness, right? It's about awareness. It's about kind of like catching ourselves. I will tell you that there's different streams of thought. Um, in many communities, there's a lot of study that's done, um, like, like in-depth study and learning about the, 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 um, the harm of Lush and Hara of speaking ill of someone else, like the, the harm and the punishment and how bad it is, how terrible it is, and that's kind of scaring us out of doing it. The Chabad approach is a little bit different. Chabad doesn't emphasize the prop. Well, I mean, Torah does, but I'm saying Chabad, in, in the Chabad study materials that are typically studied, it's not like there's a massive emphasis put on, you know, the problem with Lashonara, even though it's, of course, in the Torah and we're learning about it now. But rather there's an influence the influence, sorry, the um, the emphasis, not influence. The emphasis is on loving, on 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 texts that speak about how, how to love someone else, how to love the other, because there's two ways to stop the gossiping, right? One is to meditate on how bad it is. The other one is to meditate on how beloved a, every person is. And so, when you feel a love for someone, you're not gonna try to trash the reputation or be, even be part of it. So I think the more we feel a genuine love for the other, and when I say the other, I mean literally the other, whether it's somebody that you know that maybe, you know, hasn't done everything right, or even someone who you don't know and is a complete stranger. If we really love the other on some level, it's have to be love their behavior or whatever, but love them or recognize the beauty, the divine beauty within them, then it's going to be that much harder to just like lay into them with gossip and negativity. So I think I think what I'm saying in like really short is we can fight it with with um, I don't know negativity or with love, and that's always the the latter. I think is always the best way to do it. Fight it with love, meaning the more we love the other, the less we're gonna look. If somebody speaks negatively about our family, the first thing is like, hey, that's my family. 
So the only question is now how to get, I mean, hopefully, right? The only question, unless it's like, hey, you heard what happened with Uncle Joe? No, but, I, but the point is like, the question is, the only question is then how, how do we start feeling that everybody is like family? That's the, so that's the one, that's, that's, the, that's the hack. It's possible. Anyway, I hope that was helpful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Okay. Good. Good. All right. So Rashi points out this idea about the birds being right, tweetering. Actually, this morning I was walking my daughter outside. She went with uh, with Leah, with my wife, to school this morning. I often take her, but this morning she went with her mom. And I was walking them outside, and the birds were really loud. This was probably I want to say. Eight o'clock in the morning or something around eight eight ish. Um, it was like really loud. I'm like Riva, the birds are saying hi to you, and she got very excited about that. Which I don't know that it's true. I don't know that it's not true. Um, Riva, if you're listening to this recording at any later time, right? I really believed it to be true. No, anyway, but it's uh, just reminded me of birds making loud this morning, like right by our house. There was like a loud, loud bird sound. It was. Very exuberant. I think in our tradition we say that the birds are davening. The birds are, 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 are speaking to God. Everything in nature bespeaks God's, uh, God's wonder. The oceans, right, the birds, the trees, and us also on occasion. <laughs> um, I was going to tell you about some, uh, All right. I don't want to get too far off. Okay. I was going to talk about a song that my, my son just discovered that he loves, this Jewish song. about. Uh, not, not for now. I keep on wanting to do it and backing off. Back, in, back inside. Okay, let's take a look at Rashi. So Rashi explains the symbolism of the birds because of the tweeting, which leads sometimes to gossip. Cedar stick. Why a cedar stick? Because legions of saras also come because of ego, haughtiness, symbolized by the tall cedar. Crimson wool and hyssop. What's the, what is the remedy that he may be healed of a sarat? He must humble himself from his haughtiness. Just as symbolized by the talas, a worm which, which infested the berries from which the crimson dye was extracted to color wool and the lowly hyssop, which I guess is a low-growing um, plant situation. So you go from the cedar, which is tall, to the crimson wool and the hyssop, which is low and wormy and whatever it is. The idea is humility. Now, humility is always good. Humility is also good in the context of Tzara because one of the causes of Tzara was arrogance. But it's also, it also has to do with gossip. Even if Rashi doesn't say it, it also has to do with gossip. M- many times we gossip to feel better about ourselves. Straight up. It feels good to tear someone else down. I mean, unfortunately, it can feel good to tear someone else down and it makes us feel better. So again, it's an ego boost. It's about the ego. It's like, if I can say how bad that guy is, it'll make me feel a little bit better about myself. Right? <laughs> unfortunately, that's how we think sometimes. So again, if it's not about our ego, then maybe we'll gossip a little bit less. So that's the symbolism. Yeah, Mark, jump in. Yeah, I've got, <clears throat> I've got a couple of interesting notes on this. Yeah. It, it says the cedar, a tall and beautiful tree, serves to remind the sinner that he considered himself high and glorious. And that's from Midchus, Yehuda, Sifsei, Chacha. Yeah, Chachamim. And instead of talking about the hyssop, he says the hyssop is an herb which, in contrast to the cedar, does not grow tall. Right. Uh, this cure applies only to arrogance, not only to arrogance, but to malicious talk as well. Yeah, so which is... Even, as the point, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 
even Ezra points out that these two species, the lofty cedar and the lowly hyssop, are also contrasted in the prophet's description of Solomon's wisdom. Uh, it says, seek in Kings, uh, see one Kings 5 13 across. Nice. Anyway. I love it. I love it. So, what I find fascinating about that is that you have really two elements here. There's the, God, there's the ego, the haughtiness itself, which could lead to tzarat, like too much ego, too much arrogance. But then you have what I said, which is the, it's a lot of gossip is driven by a desire to feel better about oneself. Straight up, it's about self-esteem. And, 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 and perversely, I mean, that's too strong of a term. Sometimes we seek self-esteem instead of building ourselves up Look, there's two ways to be higher than the other guy. Build yourself up or tear them down, right? Which is easier, yeah? The story of the Rebbe Rashab. The reason why I'm saying this is this classic story of the fifth Rebbe. When he was a little kid, his name was Shalom Dovber, the name of uh, one of my kids who was named after him. I, we named him after this Rebbe. Anyways, his name was Shalom Dovber. His brother was um, Raza, Zalman Aaron, okay? So there were two brothers, Zalman Aaron was the older brother, and Shalom Dovber was the younger brother, and he, the younger became the rabbi. And I think the older one, uh, there's a lot of stories with him, so I think that he, there was a sense that his younger brother was going to surpass him, or whatever it is. So anyway, one day, the little kid, the little boy, the younger son, runs over to his father, who at that time was the rabbi, the fourth rabbi. He says, he's crying. He says, what's wrong? What happened? He says, my brother pushed me. Uh, so he says, Let's go. yeah, he dug a hole and he pushed me into the hole. So he goes over to the son, to the older son. He says, is this true? You push your brother into a hole? He says, yeah. He says, why? Because he's, young, he's younger than me, but he's taller than me. And that's not right. I should be, I'm the older brother. I should be taller. So I pushed, I, I have found, maybe he didn't dig a hole. Maybe there was a hole. He pushed him into like a little bit of a ditch type thing. I don't know, whatever it was. He pushed him into like a small, I'm sure it was small. And so he said, ah, I'm taller than you. So his father said to him, in life, there are two ways to be taller. One is to push the other one down. The other one is to step up. Always step up. Never push the other guy down. You want to be great? Be great. It doesn't have to come at someone else's expense. And I think this is a lesson. It's, 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 you know, it's, a, it's a kid's story or what happened with kids. But I think there's a profound lesson here for all of us. Look, it's, we live in a world in which gossip is, I, I mean, I can't. I'm not telling anyone anything new. Gossip is embedded in Western society. It's like TMZ. When I was younger, what was that guy? He had um, that website, that celebrity gossip. It was um, it was like a guy who posted. It was like named after him. It was man. It's been it's been a few years since I've seen that website. It's been a long time. Like a really salacious gossipy website, Hollywood celebrity scandal website doesn't actually matter what the name was the point is that you know you go to the checkout lines and like ooh, this one and that one and this relationship that relationship of this guy slapped that guy and this oh my like a whole thing it's like all about everyone else just a, a whole like tweeting twittering about other people in their lives and why do we consume it if no one bought it if no one tuned in trust me they no one would put it out there they put it out there because there is massive interest in it. Why? I'm not a psychologist, but I play one on TV. No, I'm not a psychologist, but like I think 
Perhaps part of it is when you read about celebrity scandals, you're like, so they're not so great. Ah, right. Okay, they're not so great. Right? Good. I feel better about myself already. I'm saying that, right? That's, I think that's part of the mindset. I'm sure it's more complicated than that. And you know, maybe it's like we want to, you know, have a, some sort of vicarious, you know, personal relationship with them by humanizing. I don't know. Again, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained in that field. But there's something, there's at least a part of it by trying to push someone else down to feel better about oneself. There's something involved also in the reality TV shows. Why would Oof. people spend so much of their life yes. living through strangers' lives? I always, like my, one of my favorite jokes that no one ever gets and even like even when I say this now, I'm sure I'm gonna get some like what are you talking about? Like we'll go it you know when you go into those three D theaters, like at the Coca-Cola Museum or whatever, you know, you put on those glasses, right? And then you look at the screen and like it looks like the stuff is coming at you in like because you put on the glasses. So I'm always like I walk out and I still wearing the glasses and I tell my kids, and again, they don't like no one ever laughs. And you guys are also not gonna laugh, trust me. Um, I'm always like, oh, wow, everything looks 3D. <laughs> I told you it's not funny, but like, it's like. Well, you got a thing for a minute. Yeah, and it's not, I don't even know it's what it means. But level. no, but I, what, I, right, what I mean is that it's, wait, what did you say, Donna? Remind me what you said, because I feel Reality like it was connected. TV Reality TV. It's so like, I need to, I need to. Our life, through the, we're spending, not living our life, but. I don't need to wear, that's my point. I don't need to wear glasses to see life in 3D, I can walk out of the theater and literally life is in 3D. I have to go into a theater, look at a two-dimensional screen, put on glasses to then have an experience? Are you kidding me? Or, shocker, I can walk outside and meet people and just, you know, and have that type of engagement. I, that's my point, actually. I'm, thank you for reminding me and resetting why I said that. But yeah, that's like, it's, it's one of those things. Like we live vicariously through that thing. And look, I'm not trying to be, you know, bah humbug, if that's the right expression. I'm not trying to be like a, you're like, uh, oh, no, we can't have any fun and watch something entertaining, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, I don't have a personal, it's not, I, I, either way. I'm just saying that as a society, this idea of Lush and Hara, gossip and tearing down the other person is so enmeshed with who we are and how we are. And it's so not Jewish. It's so I, not I a Jewish thing. It's an anecdote. So I often, so a lot of times, like I may go, you know, for a meal on my own. So I hear other people's conversations mm. and or else on the train that I take. And Donna, tell us more. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but 90% of the time. It's all about, oh, she did this and he did that. They're not talking about current events or movies or, you know, things that that one does and experiences. And you, know what the, you know what the Torah wants us to talk about? Making the world a better place and Torah and mitzvot. And, like, wouldn't that be nice? Even on occasion? Like, it would be really nice. <laughs> Imagine that. It's like, you know what I was learning today? Oh, a beautiful piece of Torah, of Talmud, of, of Chassidus, of a Mimer, a discourse. That's, that's cool. That's really cool. All right, we're getting there. One day, we're getting there. We just have to find out how to make that as exciting as the, you know, what are the magazines? Uh, People magazine. Yeah, we just have to figure out. It's easier. You know, it's, it's more challenging, more effort to do what we're Yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah Joy. 
Well, it's back to what you said about Facebook and Instagram. I mean, I finally got off Facebook, and it's not because I necessarily participated in all the conversations, but I did not want the negative energy right. in my heart anymore. And even like now I'm on Instagram, I love it, but I look at photographers or nature and things like that. And like one of the things that it says like the uh, daily wisdom yeah. thing on, on Habad, it's it talks about negative energy versus positive energy. And that is, I mean, we're not... And sometimes when you when you lost in horror and you talk about other people or even an experience, sometimes you just want to say, can you tell me one good thing? Let's focus on something good instead of something bad. Right. And it. That is good. To me. Yeah. Yeah. And I it's think, not easy. By any no, it's not easy. Way. But that's why the Torah spends so much time, like two Torah portions plus talking about it, because it's. If it wasn't a challenge, then we wouldn't have to talk about it. It would be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm not doing that anyway. But it's 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 such a challenge. It's such a human challenge. It's not like a, a lofty thing. It's like a very base human challenge. You know, we and the Torah says, all right, you got to work hard at this. And 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 the, the bar is not perfection, because, like, if that's the only bar, then we might get, you know, this despondent and be like, well, I well, might as well just forget about it. The bar is the next conversation. Right? It's like the next conversation, how do I make sure this is healthy and positive, positive energy, not negative energy, and, and how can I help shape conversations or walk away from conversations that are not healthy? That's it. It's just the next conversation. It's not like, it doesn't have to be a perfection you know, type thing. Um, regarding the birds, yeah. Can I, can, I add, can I add something to this? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, in the famous musical, The Music Man, Yeah. the women gossip terribly. And you see them at one of the songs, the music man, is the women are out there and they're saying, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, pick, 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 talk a lot, pick, pick a lot, talk, talk a little more, pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, pick, 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 pick a lot, talk a little more. And they're gossiping, and they're gossiping. So in other words, and they even say, chip, chip, chip. Anyway, the point is they're supposed to sound like birds, so they're doing this. Right. It's the onomatopoeia of it. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Good. Mark, I didn't know we were going to turn this into a musical. Very impressive. Yay, Mark, that was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Mark, you're hired. <laughs> this is DPP, the musical. Ray, yeah, unmute. Don't forget to unmute. Um, I'm going to hit ask to unmute so you can just respond to that. I did a request. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Um, all right, so you were talking a few minutes ago about the various animals and everything. Are you familiar with this book? <laughs> Um, uh, maybe about all the animals. It's the same thing you were talking about. Nice. About oh, about the animals singing Hashem's praises. Yes. Beautiful. All of them. Yeah, I've, I've. Um, it's from, it's from King Saul. It's from Shlomo Melech. Is that who it's from? Who, who wrote that? Or no? I think you're right, but I don't. Know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but not. So not it's, so. It's current. exactly what you were talking about, right? The birds the singing and the oceans. Universe, yeah. The song of universe. Uh, okay. It's got all the animals, the birds. The, it's amazing. It's just what you were talking about, and I'm not finding what it is. So I found it here. Um, okay. on, on Wikipedia, and okay. it's, um, 
who is it from? Let's see. First printed in the... Oh, it's mentioned as early as the 10th century. It doesn't seem like it's clear as to who wrote it. But it's 85 sections in which, uh, in each of which elements of creation, beginning with yeah. the celestial and ending with dogs, use biblical and rabbinic verses in order to sing God's praises. In other words, basically showing how every element, every type of creature is singing right. Hashem's praises. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank the you for sharing that. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So back inside. So I want to just mention about the birds because the birds are symbolic of chatter. Um, one bird is slaughtered. We read this right inside. One bird is slaughtered and the other one is sent away alive. And the message there is also the same concept. And that is we can use our words. We can Twitter, tweet, whatever. We can chatter. We can use our words to destroy, to kill. Or, I mean, like literally and metaphorically, or we can use our words to soar like a bird. In other words, the one bird is slaughtered, and that represents the old ways of, the, of this individual. The other one is sent free to indicate how the words should heal. The famous, you know, parable. It's like the goats. It's like the goats, maybe. Which goats? Yeah, for the sins. Yes, correct. Yeah. Uh, the Yom Kippur goats, right. One is yeah, sacrificed yeah, yeah. and one is yeah. sent. Yeah, exactly. Um, it reminds me of the famous anecdote or parable where the fellow comes to the rabbi and he says to the rabbi, you know, I was gossiping and, you know, and I feel bad about it. How can I fix it? And the rabbi says, bring me a feather pillow. And he brings him a feather pillow, right? You know the story. And he brings him a feather pillow and he says to the man, perfect. Now, take a knife and cut it open, right? And go out to the street and wave it outside. So he does it. Comes back inside to the rabbi says, now what? Rabbi says, now go ahead and pick up every feather and put it back in the pillow. And the guy says, I can't. They've blown in the wind. They're everywhere. Same thing he says is true with gossip. When you say something, it spreads and it, there's no way to bring it back. You have no idea who heard that and who it was passed along to. A rumor that you spread, a rumor that you created, whatever it is, you were part of that. You opened up the feathers. It's very hard to put back. Now, that's a very depressing story on some level because, I mean, it's, I think it's poignant. I think it's like powerful. It's like, wow, it's like it's very severe. At the same time, it's a little bit like, well, then you can't fix it. But I think it's, we're not, the focus is not on you can't fix it, but more of understanding the dangers or how, you know, how when things spread, it's really hard to pull it back. You know, people hear the rumor, they don't always hear the correction. That's just the way life is. We all know this, right? We all know this. Like, it's how you go around and tell everybody, by the way, what you heard is not exactly accurate. Here's the other side of the story. How do you even know who heard? There's no way to do that. There's no way to defend yourself. So that's the danger. Therefore, it's best, best practice, just not to speak negatively. Okay, good. Uh, let's get back inside. Um, over spring water. So you slaughter the bird, the, the first bird over the spring water. Rashi explains in the earthenware vessel. Rashi says for, he places, pours into a vessel first. The water first goes into the vessel in order that the blood of the bird should be recognizable in it. How much water? Or viet? Quarter of a lug. By the way, Revit is how much we have to drink for Kiddush, which is about 3.3 ounces. 3.3 ounces of water in a little earthenware vessel, and then you slaughter the bird over it. The blood drips. I'm sorry for getting so gory, but the blood drips from the bird into the thing, and now the water is obviously colored with red and 
that becomes the sprinkling mixture that is applied to the mitzora. Um, okay. Da, 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 da. Um, let's go. Scripture Scripture separates the taking of the birth from the other items. It teaches us that he does not bind it with them, but separates it by itself. So he ties. So the cedar wood and the hyssop, however, are bound together with a tongue-like strip of crimson wool. Okay, we're not going to read the verses that support it. Basically, he ties together the coin, the cedar stick, the hyssop, the big cedar, the small hyssop, and the, and the strip of crimson wool, those are tied together. Then the bird, the live bird, is held together with them and then dipped into the blood, and that's uh, what happens. Okay, um, now, what does it mean? Yeah. It's interesting that Rashi used the word tongue of crimson wool. Yeah. Means like a strip, I think, just like a tongue. No, like, a, like, yeah. like the tongue in the mouth. Oh, right. Oh, good, 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 good. Very interesting. Oh, I like it. Mark, good diuk, we would call that. A good analysis. The tongue, because we're speaking about speaking. Good. Now, take a look. We said that after that initial cleansing ritual, he's clean. He can go back into the populace, but he has to remain outside of his tent for seven days. The question is, what exactly, sorry. The question is, what exactly does that mean that he has to remain outside of his tent? Rashi explains, that's more euphemistic, and I think I alluded to that before. This teaches us that during this period, he is prohibited to have marital relations. In other words, he can go home, but he can't go home home, if that makes sense, um, until another seven, actually eight days uh, pass. And during that time, on that after that seven-day period following his re, uh, rejoining the populace, he cuts his hair. He shaves all of his hair. Um, Rashi clarifies that includes the shaving of every place where his hair grows in a bunch and is visible. That's what that's the hair that needs to be shaved. Um, and then he takes a bunch of these things: two unblemished male lambs, one unblemished ewe lamb, two dents of an apha, etc. Olive oil. We talked about all that stuff. There are symbolisms for all these things. Um, I just want to see if there's anything that I want to mention specifically. Okay. All right. I feel like eh, there's some details here in Rashi that are certainly relevant, but I, I kind of want to just uh, bring it back together and then summarize it. And I, I got to close out a little bit early today. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's early, but I got to close out uh, fairly soon. So the point of this reading is about the cleansing ritual. We spoke last week, as I said earlier, we spoke last week about how a person... Uh, sorry, yeah, how the person is diagnosed to have tzarat. Well, what happens then? So they're banished outside the camp, but then what? Like, when does that end? So step one is it has to heal. Physically, it has to heal. Like, the skin has to heal up. Then they call the Kohen. Hey, can you come on out and, and check this guy? Yes, the Kohen comes out. Yes, you're fine. Now do the bird ritual. The bird ritual is done. Then he can come back inside the camp, but he can't, you know, he's not fully back in, right, with his wife, etc., for another, well, for another eight days. So after seven days, he does the, he does some offerings. And on the eighth day, I'm sorry, on the seventh day, sorry, he does the shaving of the hair. He then goes to mikvah. And then on the eighth day, he brings a series of offerings. And then, as we'll see tomorrow, at that point, he will be officially cleansed of this entire ordeal. So you know what the moral of the story is? Don't gossip. Such a such a 
complicated thing, such a process with money from gossiping. So much easier not to, right? You would think. You would think. Um, okay, listen. We live in a world, I'm just going to double down on this quick second. We live in a world where gossip is not only not frowned upon, it's so normalized that it's like, as Donna said, it's like, of course that's what we do. Like, we're on the train, we're at the mall, we're at the hairdresser. Like, what else are you going to do other than gossip and, sh- and schmooze? We gossip about people. That's what we do. Right? Present company excluded. So the point of the Torah is, yes, that it might be human nature, but that is not a divine, that is not a divine quality. We should be better than that, and we should be, you know, careful about not, not, uh, not, not speaking ill of others. It's not good. We don't want it for us. We don't want those feathers out there. So let's not, let's not open that pillow and that can of worms to mix metaphors. All right. Makes sense? Yes. Okay. All right. Wishing everybody a wonderful day. Don't forget tonight. We actually have two events. There is at 530, I want to say a Jewish business network event. Um, which will feature one of the rabbis from, from the Ukraine, live, he escaped, he went to Florida, and now he's in Atlanta for tonight, he's for, for an event. Um, so he's going to be joining us here at Chabad at 5.30, Jewish Business Network networking event. Um, and then at 7.30 is Rosh Chodesh Society. Leah, my wife Leah, will be teaching it. The topic is chesed, kindness. Kinds of kindness, different kinds of kindness. So join us for that. That's uh, what, for, where will that be? That's upstairs place? in the library. Um, the library. Oh, where we meet for um, for uh, learner, service. learner service exactly. So that's going to be in the library and online as well. So it's a hybrid. You put the link on, Rabbi. You so, send the link. Yeah, I will send the link in. Yeah, a little bit later, and uh, yeah, in a few hours, I'll send out the link, or hopefully sooner than a few hours. Yeah, it's com- coming soon to an inbox near you. If you don't get it, just let me know. Just sh- uh, give me a call and I'll, I'll hook you up. All right. And tonight that uh, RCS, the Rosh Chodesh, is for women only. So Mark, sorry. You and I, I know, I know. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Don't worry. I'm in the same boat. We're going to have to just, just... Mark's That's Oh, oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> Mark, something tells me that you're not like, oh no, like you're like, okay, we got, I got, I got a backup, I got a backup, <laughs> Mark. All right, you're all in, good, fine, um, very good, great to see you all, and wonderful day. Don't forget tomorrow, same bad time, same bad channel, and Wednesday night Pesach boot camp, a lot of other exciting things. So check out the website. We have we've added some more stuff recently. Check it out, cool stuff in town, JewishAcademy.org. Pleasure, Sarah. Bye, Ray, Donna, Mark, and Joy, and Sarah. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you, guys. Take care. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank Thank you. you. See you guys.